if you would open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and our core kids are now dismissed to their respective classes and for those of us remaining open your Bibles please Hebrews 11 and we will be reading in verse 5 we're beginning in verse 5 It says, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your love, for your grace, for your kindness and mercy. Thank you, Lord God, for the privilege that it is to preach your word and to be in your presence today, God. Father, we want more of you, and I know that you reciprocate that. You want more of us. You want more of our hearts. You want more of our devotion. And as we look at the life of Enoch, Lord, today, I just pray that we would be stirred to pursue you with a greater passion, with a greater zeal, with a greater fervor. I pray this all, Lord God, in Jesus' great name. Everyone said? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If... If you do not have an outline, just raise your hand, please, really quick, so that way the ushers can get you an outline. As always, we want to make sure that you are following along in the introduction of the sermon. We want to make sure that you're answering the questions. Very important that you answer the question, that you have some reflection. And also, as always, I want to ask you, who are you helping grow in their faith? As a disciple of Jesus, you should be helping someone grow in their faith, and it's not, um, it's, it, it's not enough for you to hear the Word of God. You and I have got to live the Word of God, and not only do we have to live the Word of God, we have to share the Word of God. And so the way that we make disciples is by helping someone else grow in their faith, reaching others with the gospel, and helping someone become who God wants them to be. 
And so for those of you who are following along in our Bible reading challenge, today is day number 15. Let's see a show of hands real quick. How many of y'all are following along in the Bible reading challenge? Got a few more hands, all right? The rest of you, we're still praying for you to come along, amen? Um, it's important that we are in the Word of God, I hope, and I pray sincerely. You know, if you didn't raise your hand, I, you know, that's fine. If you don't want to read along, my thing is just I would hope that we as a church could read the Scriptures together, be on the same page together. But if you're not in that Bible reading challenge, I hope you're reading your Bible. Amen. Amen. I hope you're in the scriptures. I hope that the only time you open your Bible is not Sunday morning. You know what I'm talking about? Like right now when you open it up to read what I'm reading, because that is not enough. I'm just saying, if you only ate once a week, you'd be anorexic. You'll get that at lunchtime. Amen. All right. Nonetheless, we are in day 15. For those of you that are in the spirit, those of you that are spiritual and holy, we are on day 15 for the holy people in the room. Um, and we are on chapters 43 through 45. And I want to announce that because I put a video on Facebook daily um, regarding the scriptures that we're reading. I don't explain the whole scripture. I explain a portion of the text that we're reading together, give a, a little encouragement, exhortation as the Lord puts it on my heart. And then, you know, you can like the videos, share the videos. I encourage you to do that. Some people have been. And so I really appreciate that because it shows me that you're, you know, valuing what I'm doing. And I would hope that it's helping you grow. But not just that. I hope that you're using it as a vehicle to reach other people. You know, other people need to hear the gospel and they listen to you. And so if you share something, like something there, you know, the tendency for them to look at it is very high. So I encourage you to do that and continue on reading. On Sundays, I do not put a video out because this is the video. The preaching is the video for Sundays. And so tomorrow I'll put the next video on there. But that is our for today. So in our outlines here, we are continuing on in our Living Faith series, and we're dealing with a man by the name of Enoch. Enoch is a guy that is mentioned three times in the Bible. He's mentioned in the book of Genesis, he's mentioned in the book of Hebrews, and he's mentioned in the book of Jude. And so three times he's spoken of very short verses on his life, but we'll look at them, and so we'll see some things that are important. This particular portion of Scripture is very important to us as a church because Hebrews 11.6 is our vision verse. That's the verse that God began to burn in my heart, and that's the reason why I even stepped out in faith to start a church was because as I was praying and as I was seeking the Lord this verse just began to stand out to me and as God was calling me to start a church and I just I felt such a great call to please him in all things and so I didn't want to be displeasing to the Lord and so when you look at your outline here as a church our vision is to please God based upon Hebrews eleven six. that is what moves us what motivates us the reason we exist is due to a desire to please the Lord. And so that's the reality. The reality is that we are here because of that desire. And so our desire, my desire, is that we would be and produce a people who live to please God. That is the big thing for me, is that we be a people, when I pray, I pray that we would, as we're praying over the scriptures, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word, right? That we would be those who would hear what God is saying and who would respond to what God is requiring of us. And so that is how we live to please him. And so that's our desire, that we would want to please him and that we would produce a people that want to please him. Second paragraph there, there is no question that our culture, church culture as well, is inundated with many pursuits, things that are good and things that are pleasurable to us. The question that we have to ask ourselves constantly is, does this pleasurable, enjoyable, even seemingly good thing please the Lord? Are you here? 
There's a lot of different things in this world that vie for our attention, that vie for our affection, that are calling us to commit to it. I mean, you got all kind of things calling to you, you know, for you to commit to them. And I remember when I was first, you know, saved, when I first, you know, became a Christian, I was very, you know, very, very much, you know, always wanting to make sure that I was pleasing God, right? That I was, that I was honoring him and that I was, you know, doing the things that were right. And so I told you this story before, you know, I used to pray before I went to get a haircut, right? I would be like, God, can I go get a haircut? Glory to God. He answered me later on a few years, and he said, yes, son, I want you to get a, a real haircut, and you're going to be bald. Amen. That's the haircut I have for you. Stop asking me. And so nonetheless, moral to the story, do not ask God if he wants you to get a haircut because he will take your hair. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Nonetheless, we have all these different things, right, that vie for our attention. And we have to ask ourselves questions. Are these things good? For us, are these things right? Are these things above everything else? Are these things pleasing unto the Lord? Because we can do good things that are not necessarily pleasing unto the Lord, right? We, we, we can do things that, that, that seem good, you know, that are not pleasing to God if they're outside of God's timing, right? Like if we do, you know, certain things outside of marriage and because there are children in the room, I'll let you put two and two together. But when you are cohabitating and you are not married, when you are laying in the same bed and you are not married, those types of things, that is a good thing that is being perverted. Hello? And so we have to have the understanding, okay, God, is this pleasing to you? Is this something that is pleasing and honorable to you? Third paragraph here, Enoch is not only a man to be envied in that he never saw death or tasted its bitter fruit, but he is a man to be imitated. Did you hear me? He's not just a man to look at and say, man, that guy, I want to live, I, I want to live and I want God, and we're going to look at the scripture in a moment. I want God to take me. I want to be no more. Hello. I, I, I want to be like him that I walk so intimately and so close with God that God decides to take me, that I have lived this life for him for, in such a way that he decides to rapture me up. I want, I want to experience that. But that is not the goal, right? That, that is not the end. What we need to do is, is look at his life and imitate it. And what we realize is that the few verses describing his life are enough for us to live a lifetime in pursuit of what he had with the Lord. And so here's the big idea that I have for you today. God-pleasing faith is always rewarded. Did you hear that? The big idea is this. God-pleasing faith is always rewarded. When, we, when our faith is pleasing to God, it is going to be rewarded. Now, listen to me when I say that, because I want you to understand that I am not saying that you and I are going to get every single thing that we want. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when our faith is pleasing to God, that faith is going to be rewarded. God promises, as we saw in the scripture, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But the one thing that we have to realize is that I can't stand up here and say, listen, if you sow $100, you're going to reap 100 fold. I know you heard that somewhere, but not here. If you heard it here, you heard me saying that is not true. Because I cannot guarantee you that every dollar you give, you're going to get a hundredfold return on. I can't guarantee you that. Nowhere in the Bible guarantees you that. What we know is this, is that we sow into the kingdom and we reap of the kingdom. That's what we know. And God rewards us based upon his reward, his will for us. And I say it like this, not all things that we're going to experience as far as rewards are going to be this side of heaven. Did you hear me? 
See, we as Christians have to have a bigger view of life. We have to have a, li- a view of life that goes beyond whatever amount our lifespan is. We have to have a view of life that moves us into eternity because here's the thing. I want you to know, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a song and an album called, um, you know, The Best Is Yet To Come or something like that. And what I want you to know is that this is true, but I need you to understand this. The best is yet to come way beyond this place. The best that we're going to experience is going to be way beyond this world, way beyond what this world can ever give us to experience. The glory of God that we are going to see in eternity because of what Jesus has done for us is really the best that is yet to come. But the question is, do we live for that? Do we live to please God? And so understanding that God-pleasing faith is always rewarded gives us much hope and that we do what? We serve him in a manner that pleases him. So the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, God-pleasing faith walks with God. God-pleasing faith walks with God. Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. You can hold your place in Hebrews because we'll go back there. But just go to Genesis chapter 5. And as, as we talked about in last week's sermon, and we went back to the book of Genesis because, what, we want to look at the life, or at least a portion. In, his, in this case, we can look at the life, um, the communication about his entire life. But we want to look at the portion of the life of the person that is being spoken of in Hebrews. And so in, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, we'll start there. And it says, well, let's just start in verse 21. It says, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. It's awesome. Beautiful. He lives 65 years, has a child, and then what? Walks with God. And then what? He is no more. Amazing. Powerful, powerful story. The first rapture we see in the Bible is this guy by the name of Enoch. The first guy that just is and then is not. Is walking one day and he's no more. That is him. And so we see that a God-pleasing faith walks with God. And so the, uh, the Septuagint, which is an ancient translation of the Old Testament in the Greek, it translates the words where it says in the, in, in the book of Genesis, you know, we just read right now, it says, and Enoch walked with God. It translates those words into an Enoch pleased God. It's the same. It's one and the same, but the way that it's translated is a little bit different. And so it's translated that way, letting us know that what we read in Genesis 5 is that God was pleasing, that, that Enoch was pleasing to God. Therefore, he walked with him, and he was no more. He was pleasing to him in his walk, and then he was no more. That's why God took him. And so that's what Hebrews chapter 11 tells us. Look at verse 5 again in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken he had this testimony remember we talked about they received a good testimony in verse 2 it is it is literally God is bragging upon these people God is communicating something about these people listen it's an awesome thing to be mentioned once in the Bible it is something else we mentioned twice are you here that God is communicating something to us about this guy by the name of Enoch. And so Enoch lived 65 years right 65 years and then he walked with God I want you to notice something something happened Something happened when he gave birth, when, when, when his wife gave birth to, to Methuselah. I don't know what it was, but I, you know, so, some people in here, right, you know, you are the type, you know, when you had children, all of a sudden life got real. Hello. Right? Uh, you could have been married and everything was all good, but once them, ba- look, your, your, wife, your, your wife got pregnant or you got pregnant and, you know, it, and, you, and you were like, man, you know, it's, it kind of got, but once that baby came out 
And people have this like life-changing experience. Like the moment they hold that baby and then they start to think, I'm responsible for this. <laughs> right? Like, like, I've been entrusted. I remember when we were going through the process of adoption for Josiah. Um, I mean, I, I remember thinking, I remember Sister D in one of our connect groups. We were outside in the front as we were walking out. And I told her, and I said, man, I'm afraid. And she was like, you know, what are you afraid of? I said, man, I'm afraid that I'm going to fail as his father. And she was like, Bishop, you know, just, you know, she encouraged me through the whole process. But the reality is that you start thinking, right? You know, you start, you start to contemplate. So I don't know what happened, right? But what I know is this, is that it says the guy was 65 years old. He gives birth to Methuselah. And then it says what? For the next 300 years, he walked with God. You know, you know, Methuselah, Methuselah's name is son of the dark. So I don't know if that means anything, right? As far as who, they, maybe Methuselah kept him on his knees. You know, your children make you pray. Come on now. You know, sometimes you're praying that you don't go to jail. Amen. I'm just saying, right? Other times you're praying that they don't. I'm just, it, it, it happens that way, you know? At moments, you know, you go through, through phases. At first, it's you don't go to jail. Then it's them don't go to jail. I'm just, you know, it's just, it's just something that happens. But we pray, right? And so childbirth, they said, so something happened. I don't know exactly what it was. But what I do know is that something happened, and this guy began to walk with God that was, that was remarkable enough. Now, listen, I'm going to say this in one of the recordings that I do on a, month, on, you know, on a weekday. But we oftentimes just like flip through genealogies or sleep through them. Hello. You know, somebody already asked me, Bishop, when we get to the book of Numbers, I'm just going to like have to fast forward. And listen, just read those quick. Just read those three chapters quick a day right there. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the best way to read the book of Numbers. The best way to read the book of Numbers is to get a Bible app that reads to you and then let it read for you and just follow along. As quick as it reads, you don't have to go back and forth. And, you know, but let me tell you something. The reason why it's important to read genealogies, the reason why is because you go ahead and sleep on a genealogy and you'll miss something that God is trying to communicate right in the middle of it. I think God does that just to be like, yo, you awake? Are you here? Seriously, you know, how, like last week, y'all remember last week we had like some static interference, right? In the middle of the sermon, it was like, Psh, right? And like everybody like jumped and it was like, are you awake? It's kind of like that. In the, middle of, in the middle of a genealogy, just someone, God is going through all these names. All these people were born to this one and this one was born to that one. And all of a sudden, and then this guy by the name of Enoch, he was born and Methuselah was born and he was 65 years old. And, about, and he walked with God and he was no more. Amen. And you'll miss that because you're sleeping. You're like, oh, I hate genealogies. Listen, anyway, I'll talk a little, bit, a little bit about genealogy a little bit more. But nonetheless, this guy started this walk with God. He started to walk with the Lord in such an intimate and powerful way. He started to experience God. And, he, and, he, and, and when I looked up the word walk with, like walk with God, what does it mean? It means to be accompanied by or to be in the same direction. And so when, when you look at the actual Hebrew word for the word with, it's the word eth, and it means with, near, together with. With as in of relationship, near as of place. And so by faith, Enoch was together with God intimately, passionately, and devotedly. And so he was not only, God was not only accompanying Enoch, and what I want you to understand, God doesn't accompany you, you accompany him. Are you here? Now, God is with you for sure, but if you decide to go that way, and that isn't the way he's going, you know what he's doing? He's calling you back this way. Amen. He's going to walk with you in his grace and his mercy, but he's not walking with you. You've got to be accompanying him. And you know why? The next part of the, 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 next def, part of the definition, which is what? Walking in the same direction. What direction is God moving? You know, we often pray. I know I do. Pray, God, move in this earth. God, manifest yourself in this earth. God, pour out your glory in this earth. God, I want more of you. Can I tell you something? We don't need to be asking God just that. We need to ask God, where are you moving so you can connect with this movement? 
God didn't stop moving. We stopped moving with him. We got comfortable doing our own thing. We got comfortable being in in, in places of comfort. And, you know, especially in our Americanized Christianity that has, you know, very little sacrifice in it. Hello, somebody. Like sacrifice, you know, people, you know, people, and anyway, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. But, you know, people want to get to the, 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 the shortest, when it comes to Sunday services, they want to get to the shortest, most condensed service they can be at because they can't take up too much time on a Sunday. Especially during football season. Hello. Especially during the playoffs. I'm just saying, right? Super Bowl Sunday, forget it. Glory to God. We, <coughs> I'm calling in sick. Glory to God. Super Bowl don't even start till 7 o'clock. You can't come to church. Amen. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. Anyway, he's walking with God. His walk, a, a walk of faith that is ple- a, a God-pleasing faith walks with God. And so that's the reality, that we walk with him, that we walk in the, in the direction God is going, that in our lives we're seeking his guidance. As believers, the beauty of this is that we have the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. He guides us into all truth. He empowers us to live by faith. He convicts us of our sin. He shows us when we're going in the wrong direction. And Jesus says something in John chapter 15. He said clearly, he said, if you do not abide in me, you can do nothing. He was talking about bearing fruit. He was saying that I am the vine, you are the branches, my father is the vine dresser. And he said, in any, in, in any branch in me that bears fruit, my father prunes. And the branch that don't bear fruit, my father cuts them out. That's what he says. He says, abide in me and let me abide in you. Because if you don't abide in me, you can do nothing of eternal value. That's what he was saying. Because he obviously wasn't talking about people being successful because we have a whole bunch of successful people that don't even think about Jesus. Are you here? It's seeming success. We have a whole bunch of people with money, a whole bunch of people with houses, a whole bunch of people with cars, a whole bunch of people that seem to have it all, and yet they are not bearing fruit for the glory of God. And when they stand before God in judgment day, they are going to be sadly disappointed. It's a reality. And so we are called to abide in him so that we can bear fruit. That has to be the heart, that, that we would walk with God as closely, as committed, and as conformed to his will as possible. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, God-pleasing faith desires to please God. Now, look, that may sound like I just repeated myself in reverse, but what I want you to understand is this. God-pleasing faith desires to please God. You typically do not just trip into pleasing God. Are you here? It typically doesn't happen that you just happen to walk into a God-pleasing situation. As, As a child of God, as a person who loves God, what should be happening is we should intentionally be seeking out how it is that we're going to please the Lord. And so what we know is this, is that Enoch's walk of faith was pleasing to God. Why? Because Enoch walked by faith with God based upon what he knew about God. Are you here? He walked with God. See, we, can't, we, we, can, we can say we are walking by faith all day long, but the question is, am I walking in obedience to what I know about God? You see, Enoch's walk of faith was a little bit different than ours. Why is that? Because Enoch's walk of faith didn't have 66 books like we do. Are you here? See, we have 66 books that we can verify, we can reference, we can see what is pleasing to God. We can, we, we can make it known. It's not, listen, God is not hiding truth from us. Are you here? 
He's revealed his truth to us because he wants us to be in his word. He wants us to know what it is that his will is. He wants us to seek him so we can do what he says. But look at this, and you can write this down. The book of Jude, verses 14 and 15, is the third mention of Enoch. And what it says about Enoch is this. It says that he prophesied. And this is what his prophecy was. He said, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all, to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodly that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So apparently, these little verses here that we see about him, verse 21 to like 24, something like that in Genesis, there was a lot more that happened in those 300 years, right? I'm just saying. God communicated to this man. And while this man was on this earth, he prophesied to his generation. But you know what? He wasn't just prophesying to his generation. He was prophesying to our generation. He wasn't just speaking to them. He was speaking to us. He was talking about a judging God, a God who judges sin. Are you here? I know we don't want to hear about judgment, right? Like, we don't want to hear gloom and doom. We don't want to hear messages about God's judgment. The reality is God is still a God who judges. The only difference is today we can turn to Jesus and that way we don't experience God's judgment. That's the only difference. God has not changed from the Old Testament to the New. He is still as ferocious as he was in the Old Testament. That's the reason why when we talk about God, we shouldn't. I mean, I've said this so many times in the last, you know, couple of weeks. We shouldn't be talking about God like, yeah, the man upstairs. Listen, we need to reverence God as a holy, righteous God that he is. You see, when when we're looking at Enoch's life, Enoch was like, man, this is the God that he was walking with. The reason he's walking in the same direction of God is because he knows that if he's not walking in the same direction as God, guess what he's doing? He's walking in contradiction to God. So do you want to walk in contradiction to God or do you want to walk in alignment with God? Because if you and I walk in contradiction to God, then you know what happens? We walk into God's judgment. That's the reality. And so what he knew about God was that God was holy. He knew what God says. As believers, we are walking with God by faith. Our greatest passion must be to please the Lord, which means what? To bring God pleasure. Now listen, when I talk about pleasing God, I'm not talking about appeasing God. Are you here? I'm not talking about earning something from God. I'm not talking about trying to get something from God. I'm talking about pleasing him, doing what he says in the word of God, doing what we know is right, not what we feel, not what we hope, but what we know is right. And let me ask you a question. How many of you in this place have really, really good sense of direction? Raise your hand if you have a good sense of direction. Real good, real good. Raise it up, loud and proud. Okay, now put it down. How many of you do not have a good sense of direction? Raise those hands up, come on. Loud and proud. Amen. You thank God for GPS. Glory to God. And you even get lost using GPS. I'm just saying. But listen, the reason why I bring this up is because for me, I, I say this, right? I am the type of person, right? I, this is me. I'm the type of person, I have a bad sense of direction. I have a good sense of direction. I don't. I, that's never changed since I was a kid. It's, it's still the same. So for those of you that are younger, you're hoping that it's going to change. It's probably not going to change. The beauty of it is that you can use tested and proven tools to get to the right place. Hello, right? Just use them right. Use them right, glory to God. Pay attention. But this is what I want you to know. Now, now for those of you with a, sense of, with a bad sense of direction, how many of you would admit right now in this place that there have been moments that you knew, that you knew, that you knew you needed to turn right? And it ended up being left. 
Come on now, be, let's be honest now. Let's, let's just be real. Let's just put it out there, right, for the glory of God, right, for the encouragement of our other brothers and sisters in this place. And, I, and, and listen, I, 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 I empathize with you, not just sympathize, I empathize with you because I've been there. I'm driving, I pull into a stop sign, I'm like, man, I got to go. I, I, know, I know it's right. I know that it's right. And I make that right turn. I mean, I'm, I'm proud. I'm like, yes, I just did it. I took a step of faith to the right to only find out I got to make a U-turn. Now listen, the reason why I bring that up is because that's how our spiritual life is. That's how our Christianity is. See, many of us, we think we're going in the right direction in all of our decisions. We feel like that's the right decision to make because, right, I mean, down deep inside, I mean, all, I mean, you just know that you know that you know this is the right decision. And the reality is that is the wrong direction. That is not the right direction. It doesn't align with God's word. It doesn't align with God's counsel. It doesn't align with God's heart, even though you feel it down deep inside. And so what I'm saying is we can't depend on our feelings. We can't depend on our emotions. We have to depend upon the word of God. And not just the word of God, but the spirit of God who will never contradict the word of God. Hello. Oh, because for sure God directs us on things in our lives and, and that, that are not written black and white in the word. But what I want you to know is that God will never direct you in a manner that is contrary to his word. Never. If you ever say you feel something, or if someone ever comes to you, because I know you all are holy people, you'll never say this, but if you ever say you feel something that is in contradiction to, to, to the word of God, or if someone comes and tells you, you know, the Lord spoke to me, and I just feel like this, you better make sure that what they said the Lord spoke to them aligns with his word, because if it doesn't, it was not God, it was heartburn. I was talking about dreams the other day, you know, Joseph having these dreams. I said, man, I'm not talking about you eating some pizza late at night and having a nightmare or something like that and feeling like, oh, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord didn't speak to you. That was an ingestion. Hello. You know, you know, eating late causes you to have dreams. Anyway, we'll talk about that another day. But at the end of the day, one of the most important questions we must ask ourselves is, do I desire to please the Lord? When we're thinking about this whole thing about pleasing God, right, when we're talking about intentionally trying to please him, do I intentionally try to please the Lord? Do I intentionally try to, I mean, is that in my heart? Do I really want to? And if you don't desire to please God, you need to repent of that. Has your life been so dramatically impacted by the gospel that you say, man, I want to please him in everything? You know, Jesus said something that was really powerful. He said there was, they were bringing children unto him. And as they were bringing these children unto him, he said, you know, they were trying to get the kids away. They were like, no, 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 don't bring those kids to Jesus. And Jesus said, don't forbid them. He says, because of, for, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he was saying that we have to become like children. And you know what is one dynamic of a child? Every parent in here can attest to this. Is that children always want to please their parents. Can I tell you something? I'm bragging on my daughter a little bit. I always talk about, you know, my son and his amazing ways. <laughs> he is amazing. And he wants to please me too. He wants to please his parents. That's how kids are. But my daughter, 15 years old, and you want to know something? She still wants to please her parents. She still, she, she still looks for her parents' approval. She's not a perfect kid. Let me just let, let y'all know. She's just like her dad, not perfect. But the reality is there is still that inclination in her. She still wants approval from her parents. Why? Because she loves us. Because she cares about us. It's the same thing with any of us in this place. Look, some of us were damaged because what? We didn't get affirmation of our parents. And so we grew up seeking affirmation in all kind of other places. 
right? We didn't have that in our lives. And so the reality is that all of us seek for that. All of us look for approval. You know, and, and we get upset when someone disapproves of something that we do. When we say that, you know, we did something for them or whatever, we get upset about that kind of stuff. But here's what I want you to understand about God. If God is your father and you love him and you are going to be like a child, you know what needs to happen? You need to have a desire to please him. That everything that I do, that I want to say, God, I want to please you in what I'm doing. I want, to, I want to do things, not because I'm trying to earn something from you, but because I'm rooted in the gospel. Because I understand that I was a person who was on my way as a sinner from birth, on my way to hell. And Jesus intervened. He died in my place, rose up again. He paid the price for my sin, rose from my justification so I could have a right relationship with God. And I can be in communion with him. That is a beautiful thing that should move me to say something else in return and that is God I want to please you that's the beauty of the gospel the gospel is what motivates us is what moves us the third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is they say God pleasing faith is diligent in its pursuit of God God pleasing faith is diligent in its pursuit of God for without faith as verse 6 says right for without faith it is impossible to please God and he who comes to God must believe that he is, that's the first part, right? Must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those who come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, the foundation to our diligence in seeking God is those two things. Do I believe what the Bible teaches about him? Do I believe what the Bible says, how God's self-expression is throughout the scriptures? Do I believe that he is the one that breathed all things into existence, spoke all things into existence, called all things to be, set things in motion, set laws? Do I believe that God? Do I believe in that God? Because when I come to him, I must believe that he is. Not believe like demons. Hello. The Bible says in the book of James, we're going to go through the book of James next, but the book of James says what? That demons believe and do what? They tremble. They don't repent. They don't bow in worship. They don't turn allegiance. And I don't know if they can at this point because of what they've done in rebelling against God and things like that, but it doesn't say that they worship him. And see, many people, they don't, they don't really believe that he is. They believe a form of him or a version of him, but we got to believe the version of scripture. But not only, not only does it, does it hold on that as far as me being diligent, but I also believe what? I also have this other thing, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, when I know the God of the Bible is also the one who promises to reward, I, begun, I, begun, I begin to be diligent in my pursuit of him. I begin to seek him even when I don't feel like seeking him. I seek him even when things don't feel. They're not the motive. I'm not motivated to seek him. I seek him beyond that. That's what diligence is. Diligence in seeking God is pursuing him with everything that you are, consistently pursuing him, going after him, seeking his will. You want to please him? You got to know what his will is. And you know what? The only way you and I are going to find out what his will is is by us being in his word and being in his presence. It takes diligence. Diligence. If we want to see God's reward in our lives, and you, know, you, you want to know something that is a guarantee, let me tell you the guaranteed reward that you get in this earth. The guaranteed reward that you get in this earth when you see God diligently is the character of God reflects through your life. 
The power of God will be manifested through your life. God will be revealed through your life. That is the, that is the one thing I can guarantee you 100%. You can never, someone posted this and, and I, 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 they, they, it was an article or something like that. And they said that no time with God is wasted time. No time with God is wasted time. And listen, I, I would only say this. The only time that's wasted with God is the time that you were spending in his word and you were thinking about other stuff. The time that you were praying and you were running a list to him instead of seeking him for real. And even those times, God does what? He redeems them because he's good. But the truth of the matter is that if you will diligently seek him, you'll see his character. If you will diligently seek him, you'll become more like Christ. When I've sat down with people in, mar in marriage counseling, post-marital counseling, you know, people that have come to me and they're, you know, struggling and stuff like that. I always tell couples this because I don't lie to anyone. I tell them, I tell them just like this. Look, you come to me right now and I want you to know something. As a husband, as a wife, here's the truth. The truth is, I can't guarantee you that this marriage is going to work. can't guarantee that. Because you know what? I don't hold a magic wand in my hand. I don't. I know that if the both of you will work according to God's word in this marriage, it's going to work, guaranteed. But I can't guarantee that you're going to work that way. But here's what I do. When I'm dealing with a couple that is, that, that, that is like one of them is just rebellious, doesn't want to hear it. I will always tell the other one that I get the opportunity to sit down with, you know, that comes and tells me, hey, man, they're not willing to work this out. They're not trying to seek me or anything like that. You know, I always communicate to them. I always tell them this. Listen, I cannot guarantee you that your actions are going to change their heart. But I'm going to tell you there's going to be a win-win in this no matter what. Because either A, you're going to get your marriage back, and B, you're definitely going to get God's character in your life. Are you hearing me? And so you don't lose by being godly. You don't lose by seeking the Lord. You don't lose by praying. You don't lose by being in the scriptures. You don't lose by sacrificing. You don't lose by that. Why? Because you gain Christ. You gain his character in our lives. And so here, well, you know, when we're thinking about this as believers, we must imitate what we know about Enoch. And what do we know about Enoch? That he walked with God and he pleased him. That's what we know about him. We know that he walked in direction with Enoch, uh, that, that Enoch walked in direction to God, that he walked in this relationship with him. He was the first person that was raptured. But can I tell you something? His focus wasn't being raptured. His focus was pleasing God. His focus wasn't, you know what, I want to be taken away. He didn't know he was going to be taken away. He doesn't ever tell us that. And so it's, it's, it's assumed that he didn't know he was going to one day be not anymore on this earth. He just walked with God intimately, closely, diligently, intentionally, wanting to please him. And so as we're, getting, as we're coming to the close of this message, the one thing that, that, that we need to ask ourselves is this, is, is are we being as disciplined and diligent in our lives as we're supposed to be? See, because here's the thing, many of us, we are disciplined in other areas of our lives. <laughs> and I always, I, always, I always think about church. And for those of you that came late, I'm not trying to bust on you. I'm just going to use this as an example. Amen. But you know what I know? I know that at least 90% of you, you don't show up to work late. Mm-hmm. If you did, you would probably be let go. At minimum, you're going to be written up. That's just, that's just a reality. But some of us, we are super disciplined about being at work on time and we'll stay late and stuff like that. Church, ah, it starts at 11 o'clock. I'll get there. At, mm, they got two songs. I'll get that. Amen, amen. <laughs> yeah. Listen, that's between you and the Lord, right? But here's the thing that I want you to realize is that we are disciplined in other areas of our lives. 
In school, we'll study. We got to take a test, we'll study. But my question for you this morning is, are you as disciplined in the things of God as you are for the things that are not so much of God? Like, how about your prayer life? How about that? Your prayer and your worship life. I want you to think about this. We're closing up here. I want you to think about living this out. Your prayer and your worship life. Like, what does that look like? Like, is there a time that you have that you, listen, that time could be, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night. I don't know when that time is. That time could be 12 o'clock in the afternoon. All of our schedules are different. But is there a time and is there a place that you find yourself seeking God? And when I say find yourself, I don't mean like you just, oops, I'm here. No, no, no. I'm talking about a devoted time that you have, that you separate, and a place that you separate, that you know, hey, you know what? No phones coming up in here. There's no distractions coming up in here. There is nothing that's coming up in here. I know it's difficult. Last night I was praying in my room. My son was having a breakdown or something like that, and I could hear him walking from the back of the house to the front of the house. I'm on my knees, and I'm like, oh, he's coming in here, Lord, so we're going to have to make this quick. And I said, all right. So I just got him on my lap. I just took him. I sat him on my seat like I used to do with Alexis. I sat him down. Praise the Lord. Prayer is a great place to calm children down. Amen. I'm just saying, just try it. Next time you're praying, just bring your baby right there and just keep praying. Keep going. Keep talking to the Lord. But the truth is, is there a place that you have that's separated for God? What about your scriptural, you know, uh, meditation and reading? Not just reading through, and I've said this on the videos a couple of times that I post on Facebook about the Bible reading challenge. Not just getting your scriptures through for the day. It takes about 12, maybe 15 minutes to read three chapters. But the reality is, are you in the scriptures allowing the Spirit of God to speak to you? Are you disciplined? I joke about it. I say that, you know, there's some people that are spiritual, some people are not. I will say this, not joking. There are some people that are disciplined and some that are not. And I promise you, the ones that are disciplined, they're the ones that are going to grow in their faith. The ones that are not, I don't know what's going to happen. They're going to hang around. They're going to linger around. Listen, church, we don't have time to linger and hang around. We don't have time to just come and play games. We have to be a people that are saying, God, I want to please you. I want to honor you with all of my life. You know, what about evangelism? What about your discipline to evangelize? What about sharing the gospel with your friends, with your neighbors, with your family members? What about that's a discipline? You want to know why 99% of people do not share the gospel? It is because they feel ill equipped. Are you here? They feel like they don't have the answers, they don't have the ability, they don't know what to say. You want to know why you don't know what to say? It's not because you don't have the answers, it's because you're not looking for them. All of the answers are right here. I was talking to my brother Isaac Bagan, and we were, we were discussing his desire to be an apologist. You know, he wants to, he wants to be an, a, an apologetic guy. He wants to, you know, he has a lot of smart friends. You know, you have those smart friends too. They're so smart, they know everything, right? You can't tell them anything. They have all the answers. They don't need, you can't tell them anything they don't know already. You know those people. Amen. Pray for them. They need some humble pie. But nonetheless... I told him, I said, look, I, I said, listen, man, I said, it's all good that you want to be an apologist, and it's all good that you want to know how to, you know, refute people in their religious beliefs and stuff like that. I said, but you don't need to become an expert in everybody else's religion. You need to become an expert in your own. You need to become an expert in what you believe, because you know what? If you're an expert in what you believe, and you know your Bible, when then people start coming at you with stuff that's false, guess what's coming out of your mouth? The thing that changes them. It's not just the answers to what they say. It's the one who can change their lives, speaking through you and speaking through me to them. <clears throat> that's what that is. But you know what? You never become that way if you're not disciplined in the Word of God, and if you're not devoted to sharing the gospel with other people. 
And so my question was, are we a people that are, that are living to please the Lord? And that's my closing question for you this morning, is do you have a God-pleasing faith? That was the title of the message today, by the way. A God-pleasing faith. Do you have a God-pleasing faith? Do you have a faith that is walking with God in the direction that God is in all areas of your life, seeking his will? Is that, I mean, th th that's part of having a God-pleasing faith, right? Do you have that? I mean, do you, do you have that faith that, that wants to bring honor, that wants to bring glory, that, that, that faith that desires to please God? That you really say, God, I want to please you in every single thing that you do. Do you have the faith that is diligent in your pursuit of God? And if you say no to those things, the beauty of the grace of God is that God calls us to repent and trust him so we can have that kind of faith. Because you know what? More than you and I wanting that kind of faith, God wants us to have the God-pleasing kind of faith. So I'll stand to our feet. Let's pray together. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, please. And I want you to just think. You've heard a lot this morning. And if you recognize, you say, God, I don't have that God-pleasing kind of faith. But I want to have it. I want to please you in all things. I want to please you with all of my life. His grace is here. His mercy is here. Call upon him today. Commit to him today. Father, we look at Enoch as an example of someone who walked with you in a manner that was pleasing. And that encourages us because we know that we can live to please you. We can live for your glory. We can live for your honor. We can live for your namesake. And so, God, today we pray that your spirit, we pray that your power, we pray that your presence would be in our lives as we seek you, God, may you fill us with your grace. May you fill us with your power. Help us to be disciplined. Help us to be pursuers of your will. Help us to be those who desire passionately to please you in all things, God. Father, you see those in this place that have been honest before you. You know their hearts and have confessed to you that they don't have a God-pleasing faith right now. You know where they are, and so I pray that you would strengthen their faith today, that you would empower them to honor you, that you would empower them to pursue you, and that you, God, would be glorified in them. I pray this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.